The American dream is the Western world's ideal, a pursuit of happiness that each is in a race to attain. But as good as the American dream sounds, is it biblical? Brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that some of us have been chasing after a ghost only to realize that it's one of false promises. It never fulfilled what we thought it will within us. And when we realize it, we don't always realize how it influenced the way we've seen others. We don't realize how it influenced the way we see ourselves. And we don't realize how it even influences the way we see God. That's right, brothers and sisters. When we're talking about what we're going to talk about here today, it's not something that's just in the world. It's something that I want to submit to you has infiltrated Christianity. And we're going to discover today how it has become a mindset, a way of thinking, a way of a life, even within our faith and how there are some aspects of this American dream mindset, if you will, that is not exactly in line with what the father has for us. But instead, it has introduced things like competitiveness amongst believers, a race for something that is not always Yeshua. You see, I want to first off, before I even begin in this, just clarify something, because I think many of us have different ideas of what the quote unquote American dream is. And I think that its meaning has certainly changed over time as well. Please understand that I'm not talking about the country of America. I'm not an anti-American. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the liberties, the freedoms, the prosperity that you can talk about that there is within America, that people have liberties that some other countries do not have. That's not what we're talking about here today. Instead, I want to say that the freedom to be happy itself is not the problem, but what we are pursuing in life and why we are pursuing what we are pursuing are worthy questions. And so let's define what the American dream is in this teaching and in this context. You see, the American dream is an ideal set by a subculture as achieving the perfect life. In other words, you'd, it's not about necessarily the typical mainstream American view about what the dream life is. It is really your circle. You see, if, if you're a, a, a Christian, Christianity in the Western world has an ideal. It's created an image of what it means to be the perfect believer. It's and not. And if you're a mom, there is you're in a circle of moms. You, there is a, a perception of what is the ideal mom. If you're someone who works in IT with computers in your career, there is a perception of what is the best uh, IT, a programmer or graphic designer or doctor or dentist. It does not matter. Each and every one of us will have a different dream. But there's nothing wrong with dreams. There's nothing wrong with having a, a, a family, a house, a car and all the things we can say and say, well, this was the my ideal. There's nothing wrong with these things. But here's the thing is the mo we, we think of it as becoming 
uh, as something we work towards that will one day allow us to enter a moment where we feel like we have arrived at true happiness. We have arrived at true fulfillment because we have finally, hopefully, right, become all that we have been promised. If we become this, then you will be happy. It's the pursuit of happiness after all, isn't it? You see, we're talking about a race. The world is running a track race. And as it's running the race, you know, just imagine that you're this, you're on, you're on a racing track, right? You're running, you're running. And there are people next to you, many people running the same race here in this world. And as you look at them, you see some of them run faster than you. Some of them run slower than you. You're ahead of them. But what happens by nature? You're looking and you're comparing yourself. Anyone who runs a race with others, they're looking at their opponents and they're looking at how they're doing. You see, this is what happens is even within our faith, even as believers, we have we, we find ourselves running after an ideal that is really fueled by comparison. Just like a race where we run, it is we are fueled by looking at the person next to us. We, we want to run faster if we see this person is catching up. You see, we're in this race, even in our faith. But as we look at them, right, we see someone running faster than us. We start thinking, wow, that person seems to have it all figured out. I, I bet you you've thought that before. You've looked at, at brothers and sisters, even within the church, Christianity, believers in your fellowship, whatever. And you thought, wow, look at how how well is going with them, right? Look at how what a model child they have. Look at how much this guy is earning at his job, how many times he's getting promoted, right? Look at uh, 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 how the God is using this person in their spiritual gifts. Look at how much favor it seems God is giving this person. God is blessing this person. But yet when I grew up, I had a hard life. This person really doesn't seem to have had a hard life at all. This is not fair. You see, believers start becoming our our opponents. We find ourselves in a competition with them. And, And brothers and sisters, this actually goes much deeper than even this. It even goes as deep as our very relationship with Yeshua, the most precious and most important relationship that we have. Peter himself had had my idea, just draw some comparison. Peter himself had a sort of American dream. You see, in his circle, being the disciples, the dream was to be the most favored disciple to be the one who sits closest to Yeshua in his kingdom. And, and Peter could not even stop this from coming out of his mouth. You know, we read about this, for example, in John 21, verse 20. I want to read it for you. Peter turned right and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And then it says, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Yeshua said to him, 
if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Come on, Peter is saying, hey, what about John? You know, because Peter knows that the John is close to Yeshua. And, and so he's like, well, what about him? And, and Yeshua looks at him. He says, Peter, what is it to you? What if he even gets to see my kingdom come and you don't? What is it to you? You see, Peter was running on the wrong track. He was running the wrong race for him. It wasn't about even having Yeshua. Think about this. This this pretense is there of of yes, it's all about just, you know, we can have this this pretense of yes, it's all about I just wanna I just wanna have a, a effective big ministry so I can reach a lot of people. I just or I just wanna be close to Yeshua. And that's all there's nothing wrong with desiring to reach a lot of people, nothing wrong with desiring to be close to Yeshua. Hallelujah. May we all desire to reach many and be close to Yeshua. But it wasn't about that for Peter in that moment. It was about John. You see, Peter wasn't looking at Yeshua. He was looking at John. He was thinking, well, is John closer? Is John further along than I am? Does John have more favor than me? And that means Peter was taking his eyes off the Messiah. And you see, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you. This is like a child, right? Who comes to uh, mom and dad and says, why does my sibling get an extra slice of cake? Why, if I can have that, that slice, just like they had it, then I'll be happy. They think, well, we know that, well, that it's not about the slice of cake that will make them happy. If they never saw their sibling eat it, and if they did not grow jealous, their happiness would have never been affected in, in the slightest. What kind of a race are you running? Because some of us are running after an American dream, whatever that American dream is for you. And at that finish line is the that victory that you think you will get right is not what is not Yeshua. It is self-satisfaction. And so I want to submit to you that if you're running that race, you're 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 chasing a ghost and you're chasing other people. You're thinking other people. If I if I can have a life like them, you don't. The problem is you do not see their sufferings. You do not see their trials. You do not see what happens behind closed doors. You do not see how their life is partly falling apart, even though it looks like they're keeping it all together. And now you grow resentment towards them. And you don't even fully understand that you're just chasing a ghost. You see, brothers and sisters, when we're running, right, and we say, see someone pass us by, right? We can easily think, oh, you know, they're so fast. I just want to give up. Have you ever felt that way? Like, like you see a believer, fellow believer, you know, and you, you think, wow, look how God has blessed them. Look how strong their faith is. I would never measure up to that. I would never be able to do that. I would never be able to be as close to God as they are. And your self-worth just falls apart. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit here. God is calling us to a new place, not to enter the ideals of the world of what even a perfect Christian looks like or what a perfect insert the blank looks like. But God is coming and he is saying, I want you to look at me. 
I want you to partake in a different type of race. Because see, the race that the world is running is a race that everyone runs, right? Most people, let me say, runs that race in the world. It says that the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are on that path, but the way is narrow that leads to eternal life and few find it. You see, you would think that there's not a lot of loneliness on the Broadway, but I will submit to you that you will feel more feel more lonely than in any other place because you are with you're running it without Yeshua. So, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that God is calling us to a race. And Paul talks about this race. He says um, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. And uh, I want to read it for you. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not chase a ghost. I do not run as one beat one beating the air. You see, Paul is talking about how the world is running. Right. The average guy who runs a race is running and he will receive a, a perishable crown, if you will, a perishable victory. But we who are in Christ who run a different type of race will receive a crown that is imperishable. Because the, the victory, the thing, the prize that we receive at the finish line is Yeshua. Not our self-satisfaction, not us feeling that we are higher than someone else and see this race. We run it alone and that there's no one that we're looking to, to the left and right of us. Our eyes are fixed on Yeshua, who's at the finish line. We are more concerned about him than anything else in life. You see, many things that we love and in this world, right? Uh, there are many innocent things that we love and there's nothing wrong with that. But what is your eye fixed on? That is my question to you today. Are you satisfied with Yeshua? If, if we were to strip away everything that you have and love in this world, would Yeshua be enough? Hey, I want to just take a moment here today and just tell you a little bit just some personal, just to reveal some personal things here that I, I don't think I've really spoken a lot on here a lot with you guys. Because you see, I think that as we like to compare ourselves to others, some of you may have even looked at me, right? And and I want to be honest with you guys that you have you've viewed my life through the lens of a camera. Many of you, many of you have not met me in, in person. Some of you have. But many of you haven't. And you have a perspective, a perspective that needs to see something more that I want to tell you about. You know, just to give you an example, what I mean is just last week, right? We released a teaching. Um, I t we call it uh, Yeshua's Test of Adultery, a Torah portion. And some of you watched it. I actually received quite an, quite good feedback. Many of you said it was really powerful. And I, and I praise God for that, right? Like, I, I feel always so like, God, like, I cannot 
do this. I do not know what to do, what to offer, what to say. And, and I honestly feel that if it was up to me without the father, I would just lead people astray because I'm so weak. I am foolish in my thinking without the Holy Spirit. I am carnal in my thinking without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who should make me who I am in this world. I must realize my weakness without him. But yet when I uh, let me tell you about this teaching, right? When you watch it now, you can go back and you watch it and you can be like, wow, there's some cool revelations. Glory to God. And, and it looks well presented and all that stuff. But when I stood before the camera that day last week, I had my teaching prepared. I had all the notes ready, my bullet points. I got it all figured out. I thought and I'm standing before the camera and I'm starting to record it. And it's like I, I say a sentence and my mind goes numb. And I say another sentence and it's like I hit a blank all over again after every sentence. I cannot get a word out. And, you know, this is this is a hard thing when you have deadlines and when you have uh, things that you need to get done, but you, your mind is failing you. And my own weakness, honestly, this is part of my, my weakness is sometimes I just struggle. Uh, but yet I, I struggle through it because I know that sometimes it's a struggle and but I know God carries me and I struggle through it. I get to the end. I am exhausted. I am tired. I feel like it was one of the worst teachings I've ever tried to record in terms of how I try to do it. Right. And I get to the computer after getting it all on. I review it. And what do I see? I see the, the camera is out of focus. You know, I thought the camera wasn't focused. It's, it wasn't. And now it's I'm like, well, now what do I do? God, I just I just poured my everything into this. I struggled through it. I didn't even feel it was great, but whatever. And now it's out of focus. Now I have to basically scrap it. And now I have to go and go through all of that all over again. You know, that's that's the moment where of desperation that I that I just fall on my knees and I just say, God, I am weak. I'm inadequate. I'm unable to do this. God, you need to do something right now because I'm going to I'm going to have to go through through all of that all over again. And I'm going to I feel like I'm failing you, Lord. I'm not doing doing justice to what the the, the honor that you've given me here. And as I pour up my heart and my weakness to the father, I get up. And I carry on because we have to push ahead in our weakness. And I stand before the camera and I start speaking. And this time it's very different. Suddenly, every thought follows the next. My words flow. It's easy. And the Holy Spirit inspires me. He gives me words even as I'm just standing there that I didn't prepare to say. And I want to sub submit to you that that is what it took to get that teaching out. There are other things that we go through, but, you know, I'm not going to share it all here. It's just that I want you to understand that, you know, God forbid you look at my life or you look at me and you look at, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, I could never do that. He seems like so good at that. Don't be deceived. I'm absolutely not. The only thing that I'm 
that I've done is I've come to the Father and I've said, Lord, I give up. God, you have called me to this. I don't feel strong in this, but I surrender. That's really all that I have to offer him is my surrender. You know, and, and, and this sort of thing has happened oftentimes with me. It's happened with me before I go up to speak in public, which, by the way, is for me, is, you know, that 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 has been um, before, you know, God came to me. Uh, even that was my biggest weakness, my biggest fear. And uh, it's always funny to me because, you know, when uh, I um when I go to a conference or, you know, when I meet people in, in life, right, in real life, you know, who've watched the videos before, uh, they come to me sometimes and then they're kind of like a little weirded out, I think, sometimes because they expected me to be very different from what I I am before them. They expected me to be very outgoing, very, you know, all of that. But instead, in front of them, I'm I'm, I'm the most quiet person in the room. I don't have a lot to say because I'm actually a very quiet, shy person. Now you give me, uh, you you give me this place here, and the Father. I allow the Father's Holy Spirit to move in me. Then yes, sometimes, you know, I I'm able to get out of that. But but by in my nature, I'm not I'm not that. And so you see, you know, you can sit there at home and you can be like, well, Petey, wow, he's. He's, he seems like so outgoing or he didn't know he's that's why that's why he's able to to talk about God so passionately or that's what no you know and and please I make myself null and void here today right my I, I don't even like talking about this so much because I don't want you to think that I you know I consider any good that ever comes out of me all the Lord okay I have I have had times in my life where I have felt inadequate uh, in many ways. You know, God comes to me. He tells me, Petey, this is the message I have for you. You guys know what that is if you've been following me for or, uh, this channel for a while. And I feel, Lord, I am the worst person to deliver this message. And now I have this responsibility on my plate. And you can think of the same. Has the Lord come and brought you a responsibility? And what is that responsibility? Because now the natural thing for us is if, if we feel inadequate, we start thinking, okay, God, well, how much prayer is enough for me to be, to be worth it for this? How much am I supposed to study my Bible? How much am I supposed to press into you? How much am I supposed to outreach and reach people? Will people stop listening to me? Maybe I can think or or will God move on to someone else because of my inadequacies? All of these thoughts are things that I myself in my in my past have faced. And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand and you're like, well, well, what does that have to do with anything that we've been talking about? I thought we were talking about dreams, American, the American dream and, 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 and chasing a ghost and running the wrong race. Because I want to submit to you that when you're running the wrong race, when you're looking at other people, that is when you're not looking at Christ. And that is when you will hope to find your empowerment from yourself. You will hope to win and run the race with your own on your own strength because your eyes aren't fixed on Yeshua. You see this, all of this, in fact, let me say like this, 
Most people today are running after the wrong thing because they are dependent upon themselves. They have pride. They do not realize how weak they really are. And if they actually understood how weak they are and how much they need God, then they would be more inclined to not care about the people around them and the world around them and everything else around them as much as seeing, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, empower me to do that. And Lord, help me to surrender. You see, that is the deeper place that God is calling all of us to, to not chase a ghost anymore, something that will never satisfy us. Because, see, you can go, you can run this other race, you get to the finish line, you think you're going to get satisfied, you're going to get happy because you finally got all the ideals and all the puzzle pieces that the world promised you that would, would look like. But then you get there and you feel empty. See, there's a few things I want you to take away from this today, brothers and sisters. And I want to I want to say five points here for you that I that I want to share. The first is God created you to be you. Stop comparing yourself to others. See, he created you to be you. In other words, you are unique. There is no one on the face of the earth like you. No one. And God made you to be you. He did not make you to be your neighbor. He made you to be like Yeshua in the image of the father, but he still created you uniquely. And so he has a plan, a purpose, a calling for you that you must that you need to focus on. See, look at Christ. God never chose you. Here's the second point. God never chose you because of your strengths. He chose you because of your weakness. Let me say that again, because you need to get this. He didn't choose you because of how strong you are or what era you're strong in. He chose you because of your weakness. Because see, if you're a person who's strong, you're a good speaker. Guess what? He's not picking you because you think you're a good speaker. And you're not going to lean on him. You're going to lean on yourself. But the man who says and who knows and who isn't a good speaker, the man who isn't a good mom, uh, the, the woman who isn't a good mom, the man who isn't a good dad, the man who isn't a good insert the blank is the one he will choose in that area because they know they're not gifted in by nature there. And so they will lean on him and say, well, so they will depend on him. And so they will fall on their knees before him and say, God, what are you doing? Why are you picking me for this? I can't do this. Why are you calling me to this? I surrender. You see, this is why he called you. God is your strength. So why do you focus on your weakness? If you say I'm weak, I'm weak. Okay, that's fine. You can realize that. But why do you get allow your weakness to dominate you? If God is the one who comes and says, I'm your strength, I want to empower you in this area for you to become all that I called you to be. You see, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit was sent to us because we are weak, not because we are strong. We need him. That's why he came. Yeshua said, it's good that I go because you need me. Not, not if we didn't need him, he'd go. He'd be like, well, you don't need me. You guys are good without me. Keep doing what you're doing. It's not what he said. It's not what he did because he realizes we are weak without him. So if you're like, God, I don't know if I'm worthy of your Holy Spirit because I'm weak. You're missing the point. 
The Holy Spirit is there because the Father wants to be your strength. He wants to be the one who works with you. He wants communion with you. He wants to be close to you. You know, that's what a relationship is when you work together. It's like a husband and a wife. You have weaknesses and strengths. My wife fills me in in my weakness. I fill her in her weakness. Her strength edifies me. My strength edifies her. And so it is between us and the Father. The Father desires. He is strong. We are weak and he desires to come and be the one who carries us. And when that happens and a miracle happens, that's a miracle, guys. That's a miracle. When the Holy Spirit comes upon someone and empowers them, that's a miracle. And when that happens, the world sees the miracle and the world says, what happened to you? I knew who you were. Like, why are you so empowered now? What happened in between? And you can say, well, yeah, I was like that. And now I'm like this. And what happened was Yeshua. The Holy Spirit came upon me and he is empowering me to do these things. Come on, man. Here's, an, here's point number three. God never shows you because of what you've done. So he's not going to leave you because of what you're doing. And let me say this again, because people are going to be like, Petey, I don't know about that. Listen carefully. God didn't choose you. He didn't come to you and say, I want you. I want to use this person. I want you to do this for me. He didn't do that because of how strong you are and the things that you've done before. He did it despite your weakness. In fact, he did it because of your weakness, like we've discussed. But my point is here that, see, the father came to me and I was weak and now he's using me and my weakness. And I'm going to feel sometimes that I'm going to fail him because I, I remain weak in that area and I need to continue depending on him. But but I have to remember that he picked me despite my weaknesses in the beginning and he's not going to leave me now because those weaknesses are still there, because he delights in our weakness as long as we allow him to be strong in us. <sighs> Come on, man. Number four, every moment of pushing through trial and hard seasons will yield a harvest. So I want to tell you today is and if you have a, a time of struggle. You know, I've had many of those times in my life. The father's put me in moments and I'm sure you can connect with this. The father's put me in moments where I just feel weak. I just feel like I can't do this. And it feels like a struggle. Like I have to push through. Like there is this thing in front of me and I, I feel like I will fail and I've, and it hurts and it's emotionally draining and it's, it's just like, I feel like I want to fall apart, you know, but I have to push through this because I have to believe that he is the one who will strengthen and carry me through even despite what I feel. And the last thing that I want you to remember, and this is the key to all of this, is that your relationship with God is the most important and the one there is, and that he has to remain the centerpiece. He has to remain the, the one who you keep your eyes on. See, brothers and sisters, I see a body that is divided because they have not kept their eyes on Yeshua. I'll be honest with you. You know, I've been in ministry for, you know, many. Some people have been in ministry way longer than me, but I've been in ministry long enough to realize that there are people who are in ministry who are the most incredible people I've ever met. And there are some people who are in ministry who are doing so 
and they have their eyes not on Yeshua. They have their eyes on each on, on, on other people. And so it is in every arena of the world. We are in competition of, with others. We, we are in a, an opposition with others. And in the body, we see this a lot. I witnessed this and it breaks my heart and I want it to stop. That we are in opposite, we are, we see fellow brothers and sisters as our opponents because we are in a race to the top, a race of being better than they are. But Yeshua said to Peter, What is it to you? Peter, I called you to something. Are you not satisfied with that? Peter, I made you with a purpose and a calling. Are you not satisfied with that? Who are you to tell me? Who are you to tell me that I am your creator, right? But see, God says, look, trust me, I made you. I love you. I declare you valuable because, well, man, Yeshua doesn't go to die for a people and someone like you who isn't valuable. You see, if there was no one else and only you, he'd still get on the cross for you. And so he declares, look, I care for you. There is value to your life. I desire you to be used mightily. But look at me. Look at the calling I have for you. That is the most precious thing to you that I want you to have. That is not it's not for you to look at others. Because, man, here's the thing. OK, and is, is if we're running this race and we get before him, right? And we had a calling that was humble, right? We had a calling that was, hey, I want you to to go and go to have a prison ministry, go to prison and speak to prisoners about me. And no one is ever going to see you for it. No one's ever going to give you credit. No one's ever going to give you praise. No church is even going to support you. It's going to be a horrible road in that way in terms of recognition, right? No one's going to recognize your works and your labors. But when you get to him, man, can you just imagine standing before him and every calling and mission that he placed in your life and before the foundation of this earth was even laid when that is all accomplished and you stand before him, having accomplished your mission, being a good steward. What is more precious than that? See, for that you will hear good and well done, good and faithful servant. You will not hear well done, good and faithful servant because you did the work that was someone else's calling because you wanted the prestige. You wanted what they had. You wanted that and that and that. Well, what about John Yeshua? You said, see, you could have even done great things, but because you missed what the father actually put in front of you because you didn't have your eyes on him, you had your eyes on others. You will miss what he had for you. And then you stand before him and you and then it's like, well, OK, look, you, you did some good stuff. You even worked in ministry, right? Or whatever you did. You even built my kingdom in this way. And, and that is good. But you did it for yourself because your eyes weren't on me. Your eye, it was on recognition. And you missed the mark. You see, brothers and sisters, we have Christians of various kinds who are running both races. I want us all to get on the narrow path that leads to eternal life, who is Yeshua, the path that is, and, and look, I'm not talking necessarily about just getting saved or right? we're, we're not talking about that here. We're talking about the deeper meanings of following him, of coming before him and not having regret, of coming before him and 
and being, wow, Lord, I, I did the best I could with what you gave me. God, I was weak. You gave me something and I did the best I could with that. And I glorify you. I thank you that you've empowered me to do so. And Lord, the things you didn't use me in God, glory to God for that. Because I just want to be used and what you called me to use me in. And I want you to use my brother sisters and what you called them in. And I want them to be blessed in that. And I want them to focus on their own callings. I don't want them to look at me and let's say, I want to be like him. Look, I, I, I think it's good for us to have role models. I think it's good for us to look at someone who's who's got a prayer life or someone who's got a, who's got spiritual gifts or someone who's got a relationship with God. It's amazing and say, wow, I want that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between seeing someone as a role model, right? And being like, well, well, I'm going to I'm going to leave this calling and God is for me and I'm going to leave the things that that he has for me for prestige. See, it's all about the heart. It's all about why are you doing what you're doing? And so I desire like you all, like Paul said, I desire for you all to have spiritual gifts. I desire for you all to walk in 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 uh, uh, power of the Holy Spirit. I desire for you all to be great teach, be able to be a good teacher to whoever the father leads to you to. I want you, I would desire for you all to have a good, close prayer life relationship with the Father because that's all that Yeshua was. You see, we follow Yeshua. So, brothers and sisters, I want to pray for you here today. And if this has been speaking to you, if this is you, hey, I want you to just open your heart and I want you to repent if there's something to repent from here tonight. If you feel like you've been chasing something that you shouldn't have, some ideal that you shouldn't have, and you've taken your eyes off the prize, if you will, of the kingdom, then pray with me. Father, I just pray right now for everyone who's listening. Lord, we just surrender to you, God, all things. God, we come to you and we rededicate our lives. We rededicate our ambitions. We rededicate our ideas of our callings and what you have for us. And we say, God, have your way, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come, O God, not our own. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, for everyone who's listening, Lord, that you would come and pierce hearts, Lord. Lord, help us to surrender the deeper things that have been keeping us back from the simplicity you've called us to. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize our weakness. God, I pray that you would help us to realize how, uh, uh, how, you, we, how much we need you. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and give us a self-confidence, not in ourself, in, in the way of the world, but because you are with us, we can have self-confidence. Because we know you're our strength, because we know you empower us, because we know you say you will never leave us nor forsake us, because every breath we can breathe in you. Father, I pray that you would restore self-confidence to your people, a confidence in you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be bold with your name before the nations. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to 
to discover the callings that you have for us. Father, I feel like there's a lot of people who are listening today who, who are asking the question, God, what is my calling? God, where are you sending me? And so, Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for all of these people Lord, who are asking the question, Lord, what is my calling? What is it? Father, I pray, Lord, that you would op- give them dreams and visions that is divine from your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them uh, get trained. See, uh, brothers and sisters, I just want to submit to you that I feel like this is just a word for, from the Lord today is that there are many of us who who are looking and we have an idea of where the father's calling us, right? We It's kind of like a, a, a faint idea. We're not even sure how big it is, but we have an idea, a direction, but we're not really sure. We feel self-condemned because we feel like right now it needs to manifest, but it's not here yet. And I feel like the father's just saying, look, there is a time and there is a place. There is a time and a place for the dreams of the kingdom that I have given you to manifest in your life. But now is a time of preparation. Now is a time of training that I have for you. And you do not you should not be despising the training, the 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 preparation season that I have for you, because if you you have to, you know, take it in, be become prepared, let the Lord grow you, let him teach you, let him make the way for you so that when you get there, you will have everything you need to become all that Christ has prepared for you to become. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, you know, I I want you to really think about we, what we talked about here and um, Please remember that we are alive every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And um, I just want to say a big thank you so much to our partners who have made this broadcast possible here today. And if you want to become a partner, you can find out more on riseonfire.com. Many, many blessings and shalom and thank you for joining us.